Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Luke chapter 2. Again, the title of the message this morning is called Christmas Glory. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the glory of the Lord. We thank you, God, that each person here has access to your glory. Lord, I pray that you would help us align ourselves to receive a mighty, mighty blessing in this message. I pray, God, that you would move things out of our mind and the clutter that we have in our lives and in our hearts, and that we would be unfiltered as we listen to the voice of the Father. So the glory of the Lord, O Father, is what we need this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that you would help us this day. Bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our world is increasingly growing darker and darker every day. It seems as if it seems as if the darkness that has invaded our land is only getting worse by the moment. And if you think that it's so it's in another place, it's another city, it's in another area, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but it is with us around us. The darkness of this world is Not something that we should be afraid of, but it's also something that we should be concerned about because when we look at the darkness around us, it tells us something about the age that we are living in. And the the reality is, is that Jesus is soon to return and the the page is about ready to be flipped and this whole world is going to change. That in a moment of a twinkling of an eye, maybe even Christmas, the dead in Christ shall rise. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. There is that hope. There is that, there is that joy. There is that great expectation of what is soon to be here. But while we still live here, we wait. We wait for the glory. We wait for the coming of the Lord. But I want to share with you about this Christmas story that I'm sure you have heard many, many times in many, many ways over the years that you have been in in church. 
that is the gospel of Luke, he tells the story from an interesting perspective. He tells the story from shepherds. He tells a story from one of the most common of individuals. You see, shepherds would be people that are on the outside of society, meaning that they, they, shepherds were those that, that society didn't want them around them because they smelled bad. They smelled like sheep. They smelled like the, the outdoors. They smelled like what the environment that they lived in. They laid in sheep pens. They laid in stables. They rested on hillsides. They, they were always with their sheep, guiding them and directing them and pointing their sheep to where they can find food and where they can find hope and where they can find help. The shepherds were constantly with him. And because shepherds were constantly with sheep, the sheep knew their voice. And so when others would come in around them, all the shepherds would have to do was speak and his sheep would respond and they would go to where they would need to be in order to be protected from the environment that they were in. It is because the shepherd spent time with his sheep that the sheep were able to communicate with the shepherd in, the, in an animalistic way. And they were able to receive the information they needed to receive from their shepherds. Many of you have pets. You hang around your pets a lot. You know, understand this, exactly what I'm talking about. If I come into your house and I tell your dog to do something, it may respond to what I say. But if you tell your dog to do something, it will respond to what you say. It's because you're around them. It's because they're yours. They're beside you most of the time. You hear them. You understand them. This is shepherds, and these shepherds were outside. They represent everything about the society of that age that the world was looking at and looked down upon. They didn't have wealth. They didn't have access. They didn't have money. They didn't have great health. They didn't have all the environments that were there. They were constantly in turmoil. Their, their, their labor was based upon the weather and what they were doing everything around them was about was living with the land and living with the earth and these are the people the king of kings and the lord of lords revealed himself to so you got to ask yourself why why because god is not about favor in this world God is not about favor in this life that we would access say. We would say that this, this person and that person deserves to receive the announcement. No, what God is telling us in the beginning of this story of the glory that is being revealed to these shepherds, it is telling them that they are worth just as much as Herod is worth, just as much as any other king is worth. They were able to have access to the Father. They were able to receive a, the, one of the greatest gifts that had ever been received. For thousands of years, humanity was looking for and waiting for and expecting a miraculous move of God. They were out there moving. They were out there living. They were out there for thousands of years looking and anticipating the Messiah's coming. And who does God choose to reveal himself to? Shepherds shepherds 
You see, this access here is determined by the power of God. You see, God is revealing his glory through the presence that he loves them and the presence that he cares for them. He's saying, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's saying that if you have trouble, if you have issues, if you have life, there is nothing that disqualifies you from the love of your Savior. If you want access to him, that you, gotta, you can boldly approach the throne. Because he revealed himself to shepherds. But I want to tell you that there's something powerful about glory. There's something powerful about this issue here. That the Bible tells us here in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. As I was thinking and pondering this week about this message this morning. The Holy Spirit, I just was stuck on the word glory. What does the word glory mean? What does this mean? Why? Why? What, what is this? What is this access or speaking about? You know, we we know that that we have for there is born to you in verse eleven. Then this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. We see that, and then right away the angels begin to give glory to God in in the highest. They have they're seeing something here that 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 possibly is very significant for our understanding. It may be different than the way we've understood this Christmas story. So I want to go back in time a little bit, back to the beginning, back to Genesis. And if you have your Bible, it's one verse. It should be up here, though. Genesis 3, 24. Genesis 3, 24. The Bible says this. So he... God drove out the man and he placed cherubim or angels in the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, what is this about? We recognize that God had a garden. He planted a garden in this world when, it, when this world was young, and he planted a place, and in that place, he put Adam, and in Adam was this representation of the image of God. The Bible says male and female are made in the image of God. And so in this place, he put Adam, and then in the garden, he created Eve through the rib of Adam. And the reality of what we see is that this this garden is someplace beautiful but it was a place of access to the glory of God because the Bible tells us that the glory of God would come into this garden and it would walk so to speak in the middle of the garden and Adam would join God for a walk could you imagine what it would be like today that if you would see the power of God just descend and anybody that wanted to go for a walk with God could go for a walk you ever been on a walk with somebody before? If you go on a walk with somebody, usually communication takes place. If you're on a walk with somebody, usually you're listening to their voice and talking, and then they're listening to your voice and you're talking. Could you imagine if you could have the ear of the Father of all of glory and all of heaven, and you could just tell him what's on your mind, and he could say, well, have you considered this? Have you looked at that? Have you, could you look at all the situations in your life? Could you imagine if you could go on a walk with God? 
You see, this is, this is the access that Adam had. This is the privilege that Adam had. This is where he was. And when Adam fell, when Adam gave in, when Adam went into that situation there and he literally partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he ate that fruit of the tree, that, that problem that existed wasn't so much that he began to die. It was that the access to God died. And in order for this access to God to be guarded, the Bible tells us then God positioned angels there, cherubim, with flaming swords. Now, just by the description of their sword, it tells you there is fire on every side of the sword. That means that in a very real situation, when they, if you would walk into the moment of being in the presence of this angel, it could literally kill you instantly. It would wipe you out. There is a when you look at them, these are guys that you don't mess with. These are people, these are, excuse me, these are beings that you do not fight with. When you saw him there, standing there, guarding that garden, you knew access was gone. You weren't allowed back in. You weren't allowed to receive it again. And so then we, we, we go through the time period of the Old Testament. Access to the Father was gone, but then the glory of the Lord began to descend. And it began to, we see throughout Scripture how Moses, had Moses began to seek the presence of God. And Moses began to go after the glory of the Lord. And in fact, asked God that the glory of the Lord would be in front of him. But no one was able to have access like that before. Because why? The angels were guarding access. The angels were guarding access to the Father. And then you go all the way to our story today. Our story today tells us, as I said earlier, about shepherds living out in the fields. Notice that in verse 8. Living out in the fields. They were away from society. They were out in the field. And then, all of a sudden... The representation of the glory of God shone around them. The power of God lit the light light up. You see, it's nighttime. It's dark. The world is dark. The trouble is around them. Everything seems to, society has descended literally to a low, low point of morality in that time period. And it was dark, not only on the outside, but it was dark right there in the morality of that world. And in that moment, the sky lit up. And shepherds saw something. They says, for there was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the, the, the access now has changed. Now for the first time in, in human history, for the first time since Adam, for the first time these same angels that prevented you from gaining access to the Father are the same angels who are standing there announcing access to the Father. The angel in the garden that was there. I've told you and taught you already about the angels that were in the tabernacle, in the temple, on the, the Ark of the Covenant. The angels representing right there on top where the most holy place, where the, the voice of God would talk to Moses. All of this happened because we were not able to have access. But then because of Jesus, because he came out. You see, we could not go in back to the garden. So God came 
came out of the garden, out of paradise, out of eternity, out of the place of rest, out of all these issues. And he came to us. And now angels surround him. Now angels are there. And the Bible calls them a heavenly host. These guys are not people up there in heaven with harps. They're, it's, a better translation is these are angel armies. Thousands. Thousands of You see, you know, you might be surprised by an angel standing next to you with a harp singing glory to God. You know, they might be surprised about that. But you're not going to be afraid of that. You know, at least most people wouldn't be. My wife would. Scare her half to death. But most people would not be afraid of just some, you know, angel, especially these cherubs that we see in art that we have around us, where they're just playing these instruments. No, these shepherds, these were men. These were guys when the wind came and the rain came, they held their ground. These were guys out there that they didn't run inside at the first trouble. When lions showed up for their, for their sheep, they went after the lion. When bears showed up for their sheep, they went after the bear. These guys were men, men. These were manly men. These were guys that were strong, and they didn't care how they smelled. They didn't care what they were. They were there, and when they saw that army, they quaked with fright. They became afraid. These guys were, there's an army of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels up in the sky with swords, probably flaming swords, standing there. And for the first time since Adam, they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This changed everything. This is, this is the king had invaded the darkness of the world the king had descended and came off the throne and he was born of the virgin mary and his escort that escorted him into this world guarded him there was no darkness that was going to stop him there was no herod that was going to prevent him because he was guarded by the heavenly angel armies on all sides of him Wherever he went, whatever he did, his disciples said, aren't you afraid of them? He said, it's not my time. If it was, if it, if it was my time to die, then it would be a time of my death. But they cannot touch me. And even when they went to try to throw him off the cliff, he just basically walked to the edge of the cliff, turned around, and walked through them. Why? They can't stop him. And when he was on the cross, he said, if I wanted to, my angels are right there. You can't see them. You can't imagine them. They are all the way. If I just spoke, you're all dead. If I just speak, you're dead. There's nothing you can do. I could call my armies forth and wipe all of you out. But what I am doing goes beyond just having a little simple worship thing. I am taking a kingdom. I am destroying the enemy. I am breaking forth into this darkness and I am destroying the night and I am pushing out the dark things and bringing in the light so that for the first time there can be peace. So when we were first driven out, now we are brought back in. And so now we look at this Christmas time. We look at this glory that we are called to give. We are, what is the glory of God? I'm going to speak just a few moments on this before we quit. Psalm 24 verse 7 says this. 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. That means whatever glory is, whatever the glory of God is, whatever this that we are to do, he's the King of it. There's nobody close to him. When you're the King of something, that means you're better than anybody else because you're the head. You're the number one. There's the glory of the Lord that is that is there. When we give God glory, what we are doing is giving him something he already has. That he's already king of. I want to tell you that the glory of God fills this world, the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 6.3, Isaiah 6.3, and the one, one angel cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We, the whole earth is full of the glory of God. The power and the presence of God is around us everywhere we go. The problem is, is that the world can't see it. The world doesn't see the glory of God. But let me show you some scripture here quickly. Habakkuk 3, 4. The Bible says, his brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand. And there was power, there his power was hidden. Exodus 24, 15. Then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and a cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And then in 2 Chronicles 5, 13. The Bible tells us, in ver indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. What is this cloud? It is the glory of God, so that the priests could not continue to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. You see, what happens is that when we get into church services and we begin to we begin to extol him, we begin to lift his name up, and we begin to announce that this is the kingdom of God, and we begin to praise the name of the Lord, what happens? You begin to see the glory, but you can't see it if you're not praising. You can't see it if you don't believe him. You can't see it if you won't worship him. You can't see it. But when you start worshiping and you say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And you come into the house and you brought the darkness of the world with you because you've been fighting it all week. But you get into this room right here and you begin to cry out to the Lord and give him praise. What happens? The glory shows up in your presence. The presence of God begins to illuminate in front of you. And then people start to get happy. And people start to get excited. And they start to give God praise. And then there comes a moment when the dissension of the cloud, of the Shekinah move of God, enters into this moment. And what happens is the cloud, Shekinah, and glory, they're all related. It's a Hebraic term. And when you are worshiping, there is a 
perfect spot of worship. There is this what's called perfect praise. It's that moment that no one can do anything because God showed up. You can't preach. You can't sing. You can't do anything for the glory of the Lord has entered into the room. And this, my friend, is when the lame will begin to leap. And this is when eyes will begin to see because there's nothing outside of his presence that will, be, will not be made whole if you give God glory. You see, you can't change this world. You can't change anything but without the glory of God, without the presence of God. When you're giving God glory, when you're announcing his kingdom, when you are praising the Lord, you are all you are doing is tapping into something that is already here. It's already all over the earth. It's already around you. You don't, it's already at your house. It's already at your job. It's already in your car. It's already wherever you may leave from here in this moment. If you leave in this room right now and you put worship music on in your car and you begin to sing unto the Lord, I want to tell you the glory of the Lord will fill that place because it's already there. You didn't invite it. You didn't bring it. He already has it there waiting for you if you just give him glory. Praise God. My annual passes that turned into an anniversary gift for my wife last year. We do something big every five years, and this year was a year of Disney. My back is killing me. So they're expiring Wednesday. My kids are sad. My wife and I are thanking Jesus. We love it down there. Don't get me wrong. We'll go back. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we're going to take a break. It's like that good friend that you really like to be around, but you need some time apart. That's what we are. I bring that up because when we were in Epcot the other day, we were, there was some worshipers, a gospel group, was singing. Right there by that fountain. If you've ever been in there, you see that water fountain that just shoots water. There at the kind of in the middle of everything before you go back into the country area. And they had a stage set up. And as we were walking by that stage, all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed. Because it start, they started singing, you know, your normal Christmas stuff. But then they started on Jesus. And they st- we, we, we were kind of, we were far enough away where we began to watch it as we were walking through. Because in Disney, you can be far enough away where it takes a little bit for you to get there. And as we were coming in on it, by the time we got to that place, there were people that had surrounded that stage that were doing this. And there was a church service breaking out right there. And as I'm walking through Disney, all of a sudden, I felt his presence. And it wasn't just a little bit of goosebumps on my arm type thing. I felt his presence where we could have had church. And the glory, I mean, you're talking that it began to settle in that place. And my wife, she, her eyes began to well up with tears. And, and, and we, we like, what, what was that? The glory of God had just had just came into that place 
in an environment as such as Disney that it didn't matter where you were. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You can start, you, if you begin to give God praise and you begin to give glory to God, what happens is that his presence descends and it began to descend over there. And I began to look at people. There's others that were, they began to sit down on the bench and you could see some people that never felt that, but they felt something as they began to look at like, what is going on here? As people began to shout and people began to praise the Lord and began to lift their hands and others began to weep as we walked by and looking at each other and smiling. What happened? The real reason for the season that everybody's rejoicing about just entered into that moment and the glory of God filled that place. You see, he's already filling everywhere, everywhere you go, whatever you do, whatever you can be at. It doesn't matter if you're on top of a mountain or in the middle of a valley. It doesn't matter if you're standing out there in the middle of of the greatest desert or you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. I want to tell you, you can be in the presence of the glory of God because he's already there. He's already moving in wherever you may find yourself. The glory of the Lord fills this world right now. It's not so dark that he can't change it. It's not so bad that he can't can't alter it. All we got to do is get a few believers to start worshiping again and start believing God again and and stop looking at the darkness and start looking at the light of Jesus Christ and start going forward for the power and the glory of God. Then you'll see something happen. Then you'll see your children delivered from drugs and see your atmosphere change in your home and see your environment lifted up. You can see the presence of God move when you worship him. Bible tells us in Jesus Christ, Hebrews 1, 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He didn't use you and he doesn't use me. He by himself purged our sin. He took all of our sin and washed us and made us white as snow, has cleaned us up, has transformed our lives and all we got to do is give him glory you want to see people saved give give God praise give God glory you want to see your house change give God glory you, you're praying for God to be in your house walk into your room begin to pray over your house but worship over your room worship in your bedroom worship in your children's bedroom worship all through your hallway worship in your living room and your kitchen and begin to cry out to God put on praise music and begin to give God glory I tell you, his glory is already in your home. You just got to worship him. Worshiping the Lord. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1.27. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I have hope today. That I have hope. You know why I have hope? Because every time I worship, 
Number one, two things happen in me. Number one, I experience the riches of his glory, the, the richness of it. The, you know, sometimes you can eat food and you, you can tell the richness of the food, the, the weightiness of it. You see, food, it kind of represents that in a similar way. But in Hebrew, the Bible is speaking about glory, is speaking about the heaviness of it, the weightiness of it, the weightiness of the glory of God. When you begin to worship the Lord and begin to give God, God praise when you speaks about when he's speaking about riches of the glory what he's saying is that when the bible says in one other in psalms oh taste and see that the lord is good you see you say well well i've never experienced his glory well let me tell you I, there was a this lady sat next to me the other day yesterday and she ate some kind of look awesome chocolate cake i love chocolate cake and she took one bite and left it there. I wanted to walk over there to her plate, cut the part off where she bit, and bring it back to my plate and eat it. Because I didn't want to pay for the dessert. I, I'm not kidding. I was going to do it. But I didn't because I didn't want to embarrass my wife. But she took one bite of that. She didn't like it. All right. It looks good to me. You see, the problem with people, they say, well, you, we've never experienced that. Well, just because you haven't experienced his glory doesn't mean his glory doesn't exist. Just because you've never tasted that particular cake, I still don't know what that, that cake tastes like. I would like to know. Maybe I took one bite of it and put it aside and said, yeah, she's right, that's terrible. But I don't know why, because I didn't taste it. Some people, they, they want to judge the Christian. They want to judge you by where you're doing. And you say, well, have you tasted of his glory? Have you been in a moment where you don't know where you can go? And have you been in a moment where the darkness has surrounded you and you felt like everything was crashing in upon you and you just tried God and said, Lord, if you're there, will you help me? And God shows up and you tasted of his glory and you looked down and what was light, what was dark is now light. Have you ever tasted of his glory? Ever been in a moment where you don't know what to do and where to turn and the glory of the Lord shows up because you started worshiping him? Have you ever done these things? If you haven't, don't judge me because when we shout about stuff, when we give praise to God, I don't care if you shout. I don't care if you give praise because I don't know where you've been this week. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how you fought this battle of the devil this week. And maybe you just need to get out of your seat and begin to shout and give praise to the Lord because you know his glory is already here. And what you need right now is better than what you're going to get out there. We got to, the, the Bible says that there's a banquet table available for us. And, and you know, and, and people tasting it. I was sitting at this restaurant. This guy next to me, he ordered this package. And he didn't order his appetizer. And I'm looking at him, and he paid for it. And I'm thinking, man, I'm sitting right next to you. I'll eat it. Why don't you give it to me? I'll eat it for you. He said, it's too much food. I'm like, well, it ain't too much food. It's just you can't handle it. I'll be glad to take it off your hands. The skinny old guy, he's just watching his health, I guess. I don't have to worry about that yet. But he paid for it. I looked at his bill when he left. He paid for it all right. I didn't. He paid for it. You see, the thing is, is that people... 
they, it's already been paid for. It's already there. You walk by a table. You know, one of the things that gets on my nerves is my little girl. I will buy her food, and she'll eat it, like three bites. And then 30 minutes later, she's hungry. I am trying my best to get her to eat when there's food in front of her. Because, you know, but she wears on me because she's got me wrapped around her finger. And she'll start, that little cheek start turning under. And those eyes start welling up with tears. And she tells me how hungry she is. And I break down. And then, and then her mother walks in and helps me out and, take, and take, burst that bubble. Because she's got daddy wrapped around her finger. And I wouldn't tell her that because uh, I'd make it worse. But the problem is, is that she won't eat when it's time to eat. There are people out here, you come to church on Sunday morning. I'm telling you, there's enough food in this room right now that it should last you the rest of your life. But there are some people that won't eat. Have you ever been in the presence of God? Have you ever been in a service where the presence of God was so good that you remember it right now? That you remember it right now? That you that you you look back on that and say, oh, wasn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on that day? You know, th- there are moments that if we could just get in his presence and eat and partake of the glory of God, it can last you the rest of your life. Where you can be in the middle of a battle and 20 years later, you'll go back to that service where you tasted and ate and saw that the Lord was good. Listen, the food is here. The whole earth is full of his glory. We got to taste and see. The Lord is good. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 60, 19, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor brightness shall be the moon to give you light, but the Lord will be you an everlasting light, and your God, your glory, your sun shall no longer, longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also your people shall be righteous, they shall inherit the land forever, also they shall be, all be righteous. And the Bible says, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Isaiah 62, 3. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem and the hand of your God. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Ephesians 3, 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What do all these verses mean? It means simply this. The darkness cannot invade your home if you will let it. If you will stand up there and tell the devil, I'm going to worship God no matter what happens in my home. I'm going to give God praise no matter what happens around me. If if things fail, if business fails, if trouble finds me, I'm still going to praise God. When I have much and when I have little why because the glory of the lord is my life i eat of the bread that does not come from this world it comes from heaven above the manna from heaven fills my soul when i give praise to the lord he fills you up and lifts you up and puts a dance in your step and begins to lift you out of where you are because you have given god glory for wherever you may be and whatever you may be doing god shall fill you up You, the whole earth is full of his glory, and you are the diamonds of that glory.
It's what he says. You. The world says, well, didn't you live in this kind of sin? And didn't you do this thing? And didn't you do that thing? And you say, yes. But look what he's done. We fully admit that we were sinners. We fully admit that where there was no hope, no way. But look what the Lord has done. And I'm not claiming that I did it. And I'm not claiming that I made myself holy. I'm not claiming that I did my own thing. I'm saying that Jesus is the one that washed my sins away. It was Jesus that pulled me up. It was Jesus that brought me into the light. It was Jesus that wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. It was Jesus that washed me. It was Jesus that healed me. It was Jesus that opened my eyes that I could see. It was Jesus that spoke to me and let my ears hear his voice. It's Christ who fills my mouth even now to tell you about his presence that wants to invade your life. I'm speaking to you today from the glorious presence of God that even though I stand here in this world, I'm also standing with Christ in heaven, the Bible says. And this moment right now, the power of God from the throne room of heaven itself flowing to you right now is a representation of the glory of God. If you would just taste and see that the Lord is good, if you would just lift up your voice and shout unto God the voice of triumph. Don't let anybody judge you by what your shout is. They, they weren't with you when you couldn't walk. They weren't with you when you were late. They weren't with you when you couldn't see. They weren't with you when you were stuck in drugs. They weren't with you when you were lost in prostitution. They weren't with you when you were stuck in witches and warlocks. They weren't with you with all these things. And they didn't see how God pulled you out. They didn't see how God delivered you from alcohol. They didn't see how God rescued your life on that day on the ocean out there. They don't see what God has done for you. So don't let anybody steal your praise. Don't let anybody take from you what God has given to you. For it is the presence of God that we shall live in. It's the presence of God that we shall move in. God's presence, God's power, God's hope, God's might, God's God's glory is you right now. You are the representation of the glory of God. If you will just praise him. Stand with me tonight. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.